Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. So glad you guys are here. Well done, you made it. Put your hands together. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Hey, for all of our friends that are stuck in the snow or just decided not to even bother with it and stayed at home and you're online, first of all, we miss you. We love you, but we wish you were here and really so glad that you're able to tune in with us online. Um, as we gather today, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us. Can we just acknowledge for a minute how easy it sounds to be a weather person? Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to snow a little bit. Oh, it's going to snow a lot. Actually, we don't know. It's going to, but I'm going to get paid regardless of my answer. I just, I'm considering careers, uh, you know, additionally. Anyway, um, so this weekend has been uh, awesome as we thought it was snowmageddon and then less than an inch. I asked Alexa four times yesterday, Alexa, how much snow are we getting? Less than an inch. Somebody can't measure. So anyway, uh, it's a lot of snow. I'm so glad you made it. Well done. Hey, so really excited to continue this journey together, uh, life beneath the surface. Um, A couple of quick announcements for you, or just heads up rather, while we get into today's message. Uh, We're kind of in this series for a a couple of months leading up to Easter. Actually, it'll, it'll hang on just a tale after Easter. Kind of a vision series at the beginning of the year, so you can go back, catch it on our YouTube and our our podcast, all that stuff, Um, but really excited for the journey that we're going to be on. But listen, no matter where you're coming in on your spiritual journey, whether you're in person or or online, we are so glad you're here. We want you to know that you are loved, safe, and welcome here at City Church. Our our mission here at City Church is to help people find their way to God from where they are, and we do that by practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. And so really glad you're here. What that means for you is no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, our desire is to meet you where you are and help you take some next steps toward Jesus. And so really excited to uh, be gathering with you this morning. Uh, Next week, I'm very excited. We're going to have Dr. Tamara Powell from CU Denver in the house. Put your hands together. It's going to be amazing. If you weren't here, she was here two years ago, kind of post-pandemic. She's an incredible, uh, uh, not only uh, um, in in her field of influence, um, but also just loves Jesus, loves our church. And so she's going to be investing in us next week. Uh, We are in this series doing some work beneath the surface that as, as we talk about following Jesus and consider what that means, Jesus isn't just interested in what you do with your Sunday or what you do with your money or, or whatever other things you think Jesus is interested in. He's interested in our whole lives. And one of the issues that we struggle with, in particular in the West, is our ability to compartmentalize, right? We can have just kind of sections of lives. We have our spiritual stuff and we have our work stuff. And we have our family or singleness stuff and we have our hobby stuff and we just have boxes and we don't let them touch, And so we open the Jesus box on Sunday or maybe once a week when we open our Bibles or whatever that is. But Jesus is interested in our whole lives, an integrated life. And a big part of that journey is being able to do not only our external uh, observations, but the deeper work internally. And so we're going into that in the next couple of weeks. On the front end, we've been dealing with some practices to posture ourselves and put us in positions to really do this work. So for example, next week, Dr. Tamara Powell is going to be talking about grief. And, and, and dealing with some of that, and, and all kinds of grief, right? Like big capital G grief and some of the small layers of grief um, that, that still maybe, if you're like me, uh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like allergic to emotions on any given day, and so I have a really hard time processing like any emotions under the surface. Uh, uh, my only like emotion that I feel regularly is anger, like at a thousand percent 365. It's, that's a joke. That's a quote from, anyway. All right, so, but, but actually kind of, that's like my only familiar emotion is, is like high energy, maybe anger, whatever. And so, um, it's just doing the work of grief and anxiety and stress. And Maddie will be speaking in two weeks on, uh, um, um, forgiveness and, and anger. So, so we have a lot of work we're going to be doing helping us to navigate some of those under-the-surface issues, and then we're going to actually dig into kind of looking back on our stories, life, uh, like as you're growing up, looking at your past and how it's formed you. Uh, um, so all of that's coming together, and these practices are being formed in this series. So I say all that to say, hey, 
this series is being built on top of each other each week, so you can go back and catch it all, but Tamara Powell will be here next week. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. Um, Last week, we dealt with arguably the most important practice, and we're talking about practices, things that we do to come alongside Jesus. If our our goal is to follow Jesus, that means we're going to try to be with him, become like him, and do what he did, or actually a better word than trying is we're going to organize our lives around three goals, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did, but that doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen when we sit here on a Sunday. It doesn't even happen if you just regularly pray or open up your Bible. There is whole body, whole life integration that we're after, and these practices are what's opening us up to that space. So last week, we dealt with arguably the most important practice, the most important practice of the life of a Jesus follower. You can go check it out last week. And this week, we're going to deal with a massively important practice that might be totally foreign to some of you in the room. Might be the first time you're ever hearing about it. Some of you might be practicing it. Some of you maybe heard about it, but you never actually integrated it into your life. And this is a practice that creates incredible margin as we create space in our lives to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. So let's go to Matthew chapter 11, a familiar verse, but let me give you this space this morning. This is Jesus' invitation for all of you, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey today. Jesus says, come to me, All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is an an instrument that a farmer would use to put two oxen together to plow a field. It's a partnership instrument. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus is saying, saying, come alongside me. Let me shoulder life alongside you. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I like Eugene Peterson's translation. He says, come and walk with me and work with me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is assuming, not only to his first century audience, but for those who are in the room today, that you are shouldering life, that you might feel like Atlas today. You guys know the Greek god Atlas, like holding the, you know, you're not talking, I know I don't look much like him, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it's because I have a, no, it's all right. Uh, so, so, right, you have Atlas, he's just holding the world on his shoulders, right? And, and a lot of us carry life just like that. Like, like all, of, all, all the weight of the world is on our shoulders at any given point in time. And Jesus is saying, hey, I have a better way. Not only to work, but to rest. And I love that Jesus mentions rest once, but then he goes deeper and says, rest for your souls, have you ever rested but not feel, felt rested afterward? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever done the thing that's supposed to give you rest and then it didn't give you rest? You ever gone on the vacation and, and then even on the vacation, you're not fully resting and like at the end, you're like almost like you can see it on the horizon. Rest is right there and then you're on the plane home and you're like, oh, we were so close. I just need one more of those. Or, right, you, you ever had the, oh, I just need a good night with this movie or a little binge on Netflix or whatever your streaming platform is or a good game night or some night out with friends or whatever, and it's supposed to give you rest, and then there's like a deep soul. Or you ever like slept in, you know, and then really regretted it? You know, you like actually worse. You like slept 10 hours and you're like, dying on the inside. You're like, why am I not rested? And if you have kids, it's a whole nother game. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, there's, there's an internal soul deprivation that happens. <laughs> or if you're in school and you haven't slept in six weeks because of the work that you're doing on top of work, whatever you're doing, or if you're chasing a girl, I mean, there was a season when I just didn't sleep because I was chasing Danielle. So there's that too. You know what I mean? You have all these different things that you pursue and then you just don't have rest at a soul level, much less a body level. So here, when, when, we, when we hear these words, listen, I don't, it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. And listen, if you're at home and you didn't show up today in person, I actually think that today is a perfect timely message for you to actually let this practice get into your bones. And if you're here in person, I'm so glad you made it. And I would encourage you today, you're gonna have like just a margin, you go do lunch or whatever and take a moment to just talk about how to implement this practice. It, it'll be amazing. So when you hear the words from Jesus here, what's going on on the inside of your mind? I mean, I mean, this invitation from Jesus, like, what, what, like, do you long for it? Is there something in you that's like, wow, that sounds good? Or is there something in your mind, and listen, you don't have to say it out loud, but like, are you kind of mocking it a little bit? Like, yeah, right, Jesus, like, okay, cool. Like, maybe on a spiritual plane somewhere that has nothing to do with real life, Jesus gives me rest for my soul. 
or something like that, right? Or, or maybe, you know, there's just kind of, yeah, this laughing, mocking, or, or maybe you find it irrelevant. You're like, I ain't got no time for rest for my soul, Jesus, so I, that's not, or, or you don't even feel it. You're like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm grinding hard, and I'm not really tired, and I, I don't feel any of that. Or, or maybe there's a, a part of you that finds it unattainable. Like, you long for it, and, you, and you're like, that sounds great, but like, on what planet is that actually accessible? Or, or maybe you're in a place where you do catch glimpses of this, where like you, you hear Jesus promise and you've had moments when, when something deep, like a rest outside of yourself hits your soul. And it's integrated, it's whole life. You've had moments, glimpses of that. You see, most of us have an unhealthy relationship to both work and rest, especially in the West. Most of us have an unhealthy relationship, in particular to rest, but then in relationship to our work as well. And, and here's what I mean by that. We don't rest well, and, and again, this is the majority. I think if, if you took polls, and you do Gallup surveys and all these things, the majority of our population in the West falls in this category. There are some people who need the opposite conversation. There are some people who have an unhealthy relationship to rest, and they need to learn to work, right? That, that, that's absolutely true. There are some people that need to work, but for most people, the grind is way more work, way more identity in, in the pursuit and attainment an accumulation, and a struggle to rest. And one of the issues is partly because we confuse rest, when we talk about this, we confuse rest with entertainment and distraction. Right? We, we, we just have these ideas of what rest looks like or, or that we go to these immediate kind of quick fixes, but they're more like distraction, they're more like entertainment, they don't actually bring real deep rest. Or we carry the idea, and I don't know if this is you, but maybe you're, you're in the group of people that says, I'm only allowed to, uh, to rest when I earn it. Like, I've got to work hard for my, like, rest is a reward for hard work, right? Some of you grew up in homes like that, or, or you've, you created that own story in your mind. It's a script you picked up. It's where you find identity. Or maybe some of us in the room, we're afraid of rest, right? Like, like there's something inside of us that says, I'm only valuable when I'm productive, Therefore, I cannot be still for even a second. So even when I'm resting, the reason I go to distraction, the reason I go to surrounding myself with people or watching things or listening to things or playing things is because I don't want to be still and alone long enough to hear that voice come back that says you're only valuable when you're doing something valuable. Or you just simply feel like Atlas today and you got the world on your shoulders and you're like, even if I wanted to, I can't rest. You see, the life of Jesus is one of unhurried, loving presence. Jesus was present to himself, he was present to others, and most importantly, he was present to God, which gave him the grounding for that space. And when Jesus invites us into life with him, it's, it's a life, what he would call abundant life or true life, it's what you were created for, but it's also one of rest. And we live in a culture that has traded rest for restlessness, and that's the norm. And, and restlessness is not just busyness. There's a restlessness of soul that you and I struggle with. And many in the West, followers of Jesus included, as well as people who are not, we, we settle for busyness and burnout and, and a, a new diagnosis called hurry sickness, which is this, this overall anxiety of life around everything you have to do. We settle for compromise and anger and sadness and frustration and this deep restlessness as we hurry through life. And, and one of the reasons that this is such a pervasive reality in the world that you and I live in is because human desire is infinite, Dallas Willard would say. Human desire is infinite. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. One theologian said, what would it take to be truly satisfied on earth? He said, you would have to experience everything. Everything, everyone, every space. And you know what the problem is with that? is that while human desire is infinite, you and I are finite. We're limited. And so then we constantly are burning ourselves out trying to fill infinite desire with the finite offers of the world in front of us. And I think St. Augustine, he, he summarizes this picture well. He says it this way. You have made us for yourself talking to God, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Some of you read this phrase and you're hoping it's true. 
Some of you read this phrase and you're skeptical, and some of you in the room, you read this phrase and you know it's absolutely true. Like, absolutely. This is, this is the reality of my life, that in Jesus I found everything I was looking for. But also, if you're in that space, you also recognize that there's still this pull to look elsewhere, that I have to keep coming back to Jesus, I have to train myself in a direction to actually not only, not only trust Jesus with my mind, but move it into my entire being. And so this invitation to follow Jesus, it starts with trust, right? To believe in Jesus means to trust in him, his person, his character, his words, his invitation to true life, that what he said he really can do. His invitation is, is worth taking to the bank. It starts with trust, but then it also works itself out in relationship and training. And so we trust in Jesus, come to me, yes. Some of you are right there where you haven't made the decision to come to Jesus, and I would encourage you, man, Take Jesus up on that because his words are true and this life is good. But it starts there, it doesn't end there. It's an invitation into relationship and, and that's where training and practice come into play. That we are then learning to become the kinds of people who live out of a place of rest. And so last week I gave you this practice of silence and solitude. The most formative practice of Jesus' life, possibly the most important when it comes to you and I, the most contested practice of, of, the, of the life of a Jesus follower is getting alone, intentional time in the quiet to be alone with God and ourselves on a daily basis. And so we gave you some tools. If you missed last week, you can go catch it on the podcast, YouTube channel, resources in the lobby, Bibles are in the seatbacks in front of you as our gift to you. All of that's there for you to help you create the space daily to be alone with Jesus. Even if it's like 15 minutes, right? We said start wherever you can but creating that space begins to give us margin to be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what he did. But today, I want to look at another practice from the life of Jesus, also woven into the routine and rhythm of his life that counters very specifically hurry and restlessness as we easily slip into it each week. So Matthew 11, right? we just looked at that passage. What's really interesting you can read it on your own time. If you, if you go to Matthew 12, just literally right after we see those words from Jesus, we have two stories from Matthew of Jesus around the topic of Sabbath. This word Sabbath, you're gonna see over and over again in not only the life of Jesus, you'll see it from the Old Testament, we'll do a little bit of a deep dive today, is a practice that Jesus regularly engaged in. And the stories that you see in Matthew 12 are actually some religious leaders, some Pharisees, very upset with Jesus because he's not keeping the rules. So, so, so they get the principle of Sabbath backwards. Sabbath literally is, is a Hebrew word, Shabbat, which means to stop. It means to stop. And so, so for the Pharisees, that, this was a really big deal to stop everything. They were massively legalistic. This was a restrictive practice where you couldn't do anything. No fun on the Sabbath, no help. And so they were really mad. Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field and they're picking grain off of the stalks and, and then, you know, a little snack. I've never done that in my entire life, but, but I don't know if it's good or not. You season it, I don't know. But, but they're snacking on grain and, and then the Pharisees are like, what are, your, what are you guys doing? They're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, what is wrong with you? Right? And, and so these guys have taken a, a gift from God and made it restrictive. And so then what they get is instruction in the opposite direction. What I'm going to argue today is you and I are not Pharisees. <laughs> We're on the opposite end of the spectrum, that we reject the gift altogether. But let me show you. Uh, Mark also summarizes the same story in, in Matthew 12. He gives us the conclusion. Here's how Jesus responds in Mark chapter 2. Jesus says to the Pharisees, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So they've got the cart before the horse here, right? This day was made as a gift for humanity. Humanity was not made to be a slave to this rule. So they've got it backwards. They're totally missing the life in this practice. And so the Son of Man, speaking of himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus is flipping everything they think they know on top of their heads. He's saying, hey, I'm the one that's in charge here. And this is, is, is a practice that's a gift for humanity, and you've got it completely backwards. So as we talk about the Sabbath today, I want to help you understand that this was a routine practice in the life of Jesus, as in every seven days, he's practicing very intentionally the life-giving practice of Sabbath. He said, what in the world does that mean and look like? And so here, here's what I want to give you. Sabbath as a definition is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, 
and contemplate God. And this, this is straight from emotionally healthy spirituality. So when, when you go through growth track, one and two, you join the team, uh, become a part of the family here at City Church, take all those next steps. One of the first things we do is, is we say, hey, before we want anything from you, it's we, what we want for you. And so we give you two books. One of them is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is to help you grow underneath the surface as a whole person and following Jesus. And this is the, the definition from Pete as he talks about the, the practice of Sabbath. So a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And so before you write me off, you're like, this is ridiculous, I ain't got time for this. Hear me out, because I promise you this can be valuable for you if we'll listen to what God has for us today. So again, Sabbath is a practice where we cultivate, instead of restlessness, we go counterculture and we cultivate a spirit of restfulness. Walter Brueggemann said it this way, people who Sabbath regularly live all seven days of their life differently. It's a practice very interesting that we'll dig into in a moment that is very life-giving. So again, we, if we're following Jesus, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he did. This is one of the practices we see in the life of Jesus that we can learn from. And so I'm gonna invite you into it today. Now that was the definition, and as you wrestle with it, let, let me give you the 30,000 foot view. So where does Sabbath come from? What in the world are we talking about? What are we looking at really on a seven day basis? So, so the Sabbath was first introduced in the 10 Commandments. You guys heard of those? Right, like the Big 10? Okay, generally some good stuff, right? So, so here's what happens. The people of Israel are, are in slavery for 400 years under the hard fist of Egypt. God rescues them out of slavery. They are now free people with a new identity, and then they are given this, the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments, like some people get it wrong. It's not God wagging his finger at people saying, you better do these things or you're out. No, it's God teaching them, you have already been saved, and this is what saved people look like. This is what free people live like. This is, as my people, this is how you can live out that freedom. Does that make sense to you? And, and so, so it's not earning God's favor, it's living from God's favor. And so the Ten Commandments show up, and they're generally good things, like don't kill people, right? Which most, most people agree is a good idea. Don't lie, don't cheat on your wife, you know, don't steal, things like that. Some good stuff, would you agree? Right, all right, so, so what's interesting is of the Ten Commandments, most people are like, yeah, green light. Like, those are just good moral things, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey. They kind of make sense. What's interesting is the Sabbath is in there as well. And the Sabbath, this is interesting, it's the only practice, it's, it's the only spiritual discipline in the Ten Commandments. All the other things are just don't do them. <laughs> don't kill people. Check. Got it. But the Sabbath is the only one that's a spiritual discipline. And check this out, it's also the longest of the 10. Is it, just hear me out for a second. So the 10 commandments that are generally good things and then Jesus not only takes them but he elevates them and says, hey, these are good things and here's how, they, how, you, how we play them out in our lives. The Sabbath is the longest, it's something we practice, and it's the most ignored. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I, I've never... I remember following Jesus for a couple of years and hearing this conversation for the first time. The first pastor I ever heard to take it seriously. Because I always heard, like, oh, well, God rested, but yeah, we don't, you know, that's Old Testament stuff. And well, what about, I mean, Jesus was living it out. So, I mean, well, how, how does this work in? So, so let me show you what Exodus 20 shows. All right, this, is, this is the Sabbath command. Remember the Sabbath day. So, so there's that call to remember, okay? So it's gonna come from somewhere. God's calling them to remember from a place. Remember the Sabbath day, so today, 24-hour block of time, you guys got that context, okay? By keeping it holy, that means set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. You got that? So for those of you that struggle to, to work, six days, right? There's a couple of teenagers that need to hear that sometimes, right? <laughs> six days, right? But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God to stop, to rest. And on it, you shall not do any work. Chick-fil-A, come on, they are, they are crushing it, aren't they? They just, all of us wish Chick-fil-A was open on a Sunday, but they're just trying to obey the Sabbath, right? All right, for in six days, the Lord, listen, here's the grounding principle for where the Sabbath comes from. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made 
it holy. So the Sabbath principle is grounded in the Genesis narrative. So what are we remembering? They call, so, so this command goes all the way back to the creation story. And the grounding is in Genesis itself, that God creates humanity, everything. On the sixth day, God is creating humanity. On the seventh, he rests. I want you to think about this. Adam and Eve are created on day six, and their very first day on the job with God is a day of rest. How cool is that? Can you, right, so, so, let's say you get a new job and your employer's like, yo, can't wait for you to start. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, great. I'll see you tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow you are off and you're paid all day. Yes, I sign up for that every week. That sounds wonderful. That, that, that's the first engagement. Adam and Eve, their first day is a day of rest with God. And here's, here's the point. Here's what I want you to understand is that there's something that we struggle with with our work and our rest and our identity, that that Adam and Eve from the beginning, before brokenness enters the world, is that they are learning to work from their rest rather than to work for their rest. So let me me give it to you again. The Sabbath is a, a tool, a practice to teach you and I to work from our rest, not for our rest. Both, both, both work and rest are gifts from God to be received. And I remember the first time I heard this taught, the, the, the guy that was coaching us, he said, why is it that we pay attention to the other nine and we just conveniently ignore the one? We actually kind of brag about breaking this, this commandment, don't we? Oh, I'm just so busy. I just got so much to do. I find so much identity in, in not resting Right? And, and he's like, well, why, why would this one be any less? Like, he said, if you ask me to break the Sabbath, you might as well ask me to cheat on my wife. And I was like, dang. <laughs> that, I never, you know, I don't know that I would have put it up there, but, right? His point is, like, what's the difference? Are they not all important? I'm like, okay, touche. Let's think about this. So here, here's the deal. God rested. And you might ask the question, well, why did he rest? Was he tired? No, no. Right? It's like, whoo, six, that was a lot. That was a lot. No. It also can be translated delight, that on six days he creates, on the seventh he stops and enjoys what's been created. And, and I, I remember this conversation, one of the, I grew up in a, well, I didn't grow up in this, but when I became a follower of Jesus, one of the statements I heard often, is just makes me laugh now, is, uh, well, God rested. Well, yeah, but, but the devil never takes a day off. And I was like, oh, no, he doesn't take a day off. Like, crap, we got to we got to work. And then, and then I heard John Mark Comer say, he's like, the last time I checked, the devil loses. And he's also not our role model. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a good point right there. <laughs> so just a heads up, right? Just get that one out of there. So, so here's the deal. God has liter- literally built this, this rhythm of rest into the grain of the universe, into the creation rhythm. And lots of stories in the Old Testament go back to watching Sabbath actually serve the land. And so if you know anything about farming, far, uh, as we farm land, we have to let the, the soil rest in order for it to continue to produce. You guys know that? And if we just keep taxing soil without giving it rest, eventually it becomes completely deficient of all nutrients. The human soul is not all that different. So built into the fabric of the universe and into your body and mine is the need for the rhythm of rest. And I can't remember which theologian said it, but if you go against the grain of the universe, you're probably gonna get splinters, <laughs> right? So the idea is, when we struggle to rest, there's some pretty normal consequences that show up. And so as we think about this, I just want you to think about it. Exodus 20 is a command to rest. Does that sound silly to you? It's like a command to eat ice cream. Like if I go to my kids, I'm like, you have to eat ice cream. They're like, this is a consequence. We're going to try to play this to our advantage, right? You have to go to Disneyland. What? Right? Like, like it's kind of silly that God has to command rest, is it not? But it might be speaking to something in the human condition that is so bent away from the need of rest that it has to be commanded. And part of the issue is in Sabbath, I am learning to rest, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do what he did. 
And again, this is not about rules, it's about space for formation, right? So here's what Sabbath says, the stop, right? Shabbat, it means to stop. Sabbath says enough. One day a week, listen, I just want you to imagine, if you don't practice this, one day a week, if you just said stop, enough. I, I lack, no, it's, just, it's, it's stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, it's stop. You guys have, have you guys seen the, the show, Is It Cake? Yeah, it's so good. You guys, oh, it's so good. Uh, uh, is it cake? And, and, and so you know, they have two things that look identical, and one of them's cake. And, and, and when, they're, when they're doing it, they have a timer, right? And when the timer goes off, hands up. Hands up, right? Like, you're just done. You gotta be, when the timer's done, you're done. And that's what Sabbath, like, it's just stop. Done. Hands up. Stop worrying. Stop wanting. Stop working. Sabbath is resistance. You have to remember that, that they came out of 400 years of slavery, Right? So slavery is built into their DNA. And Sabbath is bringing them back to the place of rest instead of work. And just a heads up, these spaces of accomplish, accomplishment and accumulation that they would have been really accustomed to, they're still very alive and well in our culture, are they not? The constant want for more and more and more. And, and the message of the Sabbath is what I really need is time to enjoy what I already have. And you know that to be true. And to be clear, the Sabbath is different from a day off. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. But the invitation from the Sabbath, the 24-hour block of time intentionally set aside, is to drink deeply from ordinary life. Sabbath is a verb, as in we practice it, we learn, we train. It's something you figure out by actually doing it. And like most practices, you give it a little bit of time and then it starts to do something to you. My family and I, we've been practicing Sabbath regularly since we, since we moved to Colorado, um, periodically prior to that, but then we just keep trying to figure it out. But it's actually a really, like, it's a challenge. It's one, th one thing to set aside a block of time in your week. It's another thing to actually let it be what it's supposed to be. So let's go back to our definition for a moment. Sabbath is a 24 block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. So let me, let me give this to you and then we'll wrap it up with some really practical ways to do it, okay? So I'm gonna get, we're just gonna walk through each of these words in order to help us understand how to implement this into our lives. The first thing is to stop. A 24 hour block, block, 24 hour block of time in which we stop work, as in it's different from like a day off or a vacation. This is where we stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, and work, uh, Rich Velotis gives a good definition. He says, work is any meaningful expenditure of energy, paid or unpaid. Okay, so Sabbath is not the day that you catch up on chores around the house and did some laundry and some dishes and right, that's work too. Paid and unpaid, any meaningful expenditure of energy. So the challenging thing, the first thing you have to do if you're gonna practice Sabbath, is you have to identify like what falls into the category of work for you. Because there are some things that are life-giving for me that might not be life-giving for you. Like washing a car on a sunny day when the snow is all gone actually might be very, like if you work with your mind all week, doing something with your hands might actually be really joyful to you. That's great. But if laundry's not one of them, then don't touch it, right? It's stop, it's stop. And as, as we think about this discipline and practice, I want you to remember that every discipline, every practice is saying no to something or some things because you want to say something, you want to say yes to something even better, right? That's kind of the swap out of every practice. And so, so what we're doing as we stop is we're letting go of the illusion that we are indispensable. When you stop one day a week, you begin to relinquish the, the, the thought that you have that the world can't survive without you. Here's, here's what Pete Scazzaro says about Sabbath. He says, Sabbath can be terrifying because doing nothing productive leaves us feeling vulnerable. We, feel, we, we might feel emotional exposure or nakedness before God and others. You see, overworking hides the feelings of inadequacy and worthlessness, not just from others, but also from ourselves. As long as we keep busy, and busyness can be, it doesn't have to be work, busyness can be all kinds of things. As long as we keep busy, we can outrun that internal voice that says, I'm never good enough. I'm never safe enough. I'm never perfect enough. I'm never extraordinary enough. I'm, I'm, I'm never successful enough. Do you recognize that voice? You and I, as we stop, get to wrestle, not, not with what we think we are, but who God says that we are. You see, Sabbath is the one day that you get to do nothing productive 
and still remember that you are utterly loved, immeasurably loved. Some, some of you really struggle. You, you have this guilt that if you're not being productive in some way, then you're not valuable. You are what you accomplish, right? Those are the scripts. And we're actually gonna deal with those in, in the coming weeks, but Sabbath is a practice where we open ourselves up to not only the lies that we believe, but then what God wants to say in response. In Sabbath, as we stop, we are affirming that human beings have infinite value and worth apart from their productivity. And that God's love is the most important reality in the universe. That's what we're trying to stop and recognize. And, and can, I just, can I just give you this space? There are some things that God can only deposit into your soul when you unplug completely from work and truly rest. So let's go to the rest, the second word. We stop. Work, want, rest. Right, no shopping, no accumulation, none of that, right? And then we enjoy rest. We engage in activities that restore and replenish us. And so listen, this, this is all over the map, right? This is for you to think about. Napping, hiking, reading, eating good food, top of my list, enjoying hobbies, playing sports. Yesterday we rolled around in the snow and built the biggest snowman we could possibly, and I'm not gonna lie, I was trying to Sabbath yesterday, but part of me was still working to accomplish the biggest snowman I could, you know, pull off there. I felt, you know, there's a little bit of significance, like, yeah, I built that. But anyway, you know, you, you have these spaces, right? The key is to rest from both paid and unpaid work. So just like land needs to rest, your, your soul needs to rest. Um, here's how John Mark Comer says it. He says, friends, Sabbath is coming for you. Whether, at, whether you choose it or not, it's gonna come as delight if you choose it or discipline later. And what it means by that is if you run full throttle seven days a week nonstop, what happens normally to the human body in those spaces? Chronic illness, another cold, oh, right? Things start to break down. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. If it's built into the fabric of the universe, that Sabbath is coming, whether as delight or as discipline. And so the idea is that we respond and receive this gift rather than pedal to the metal and crash and burn. And once we stop and we rest, we'll find that God is actually speaking way more than we've been paying attention to. And, and what, I would, what I would ask you to do as you think of rest is what is that for you? Danielle and I have conversations constantly. We are so different in, in, in our makeup, that our rest is like opposite ends a lot of times. And, and so there's some things we find in the middle, but then one of the, we have kids and all those things, so how do we navigate a healthy Sabbath? We have to talk, hey, what brings rest and delight to you? Hey, what, what is it for me? And then we work with each other to create that space in a 24-hour block, and it's a lot of work. But the next one is delight. Practice delight. What, what gives you joy? What gives you delight? Genuinely, you think about it. What is it that brings you joy and delight? Here's the question that I've been, I've been sitting in all week. If you could ask one question at lunch today. What could I do for 24 hours that would fill my soul with a deep, throbbing joy? A lot of people would say, I don't know. Because I don't know how to rest. What could I do for 24 hours that would fill my soul with a deep, throbbing joy? What brings you delight? And listen, this can be, if you're a people person, this is people. If you're an introvert, you're like, absolutely, no one for 24 hours, right? This is putting your phone in a box and not touching it for 24 hours. This is, this is eating the best burrito of your entire life with salsa verde and a little bit of queso. And you're like, oh, Jesus is so good and alive, right? Like, whatever it is for you, it's a hike in the woods. Yesterday, and listen, uh, um, I'll brag a little bit. We've been working hard, and then I'm gonna, I'll be honest at the same time, working hard to like work this rhythm intentionally into our family. And one of the things you have to do is plan ahead to have a good Sabbath. Like, like you don't just fall into delight. It's just not how it works. Uh, you fall into, oh man, there's more laundry. <laughs> or there's some dishes to do. Or here's another thing I need to do around the house. So how do you fall into a place of intentionally stopping, resting, delighting? You have to plan it. So last week we had a really good plan. And we got into it. We kicked off Sabbath with ice cream with our family. And I'm, teach, I'm trying to teach my kids. They're learning about it today, by the way. Hey, Sabbath is a gift from God where we get to stop and rest and, and think about God and enjoy one another. 
And so then we're talking about, hey, what brings you delight? We're eating ice cream. And Grayson, he looks at us and he says, I am so full of delight right now. And I'm like, this kid is crushing Sabbath right now. He is the epitome. Of, and then yesterday, I kid you not, I, I was sick on Friday, which messed up my rhythm to get into uh, Sabbath together. And Danielle, didn't, we didn't plan. And so like had a half Sabbath yesterday. We're just trying to practice it. And so about noon, it's snow's falling. And kids are like, I want to go outside and play. And then Grace is getting all this snow stuff on. And he's like, this is the best Sabbath ever. Right, and he's, he's eight. He has, he, has, he has very little understanding of what we're talking about other than this is a day of rest, a gift from God where our family is together and we party. And so then we go play in the snow for like three hours and everyone's dripping wet and it's awesome and, and it was really, really cool to, to look at those spaces. But also, kind of like fell into Sabbath yesterday. Like there wasn't a lot of plans so then we had moments where it was awesome and other moments where it wasn't. So what is it that brings you delight? This is a hard one for me. Can I be honest? Mine changes. I love being with people. So last week, part of Sabbath was playing Guitar Hero, a rock band with Seth and Maddie. It was awesome. Just get to, and then, and then sometimes it's quiet. It's playing in the snow with our family. It's a good meal. It's reading a book. Taking a nap. I'll be honest, taking a nap should be in there, but I struggle so much because it feels unproductive. I can't take a nap. I got things to do. No, stop. I want you to think about it. Jesus kept getting in trouble for healing people on the Sabbath. Why do you think that is? Because it brought him delight. So Jesus wasn't violating the Sabbath. It was something that brought him joy and delight. Does that make sense to you? And so, so listen, this is a lot of permission. It's not restrictive at all. It's an invitation, a gift from God to you to learn to work from your rest. Work is a gift, right? It's absolutely part of God's gift for you. You're wired, you're made to do things and to contribute to the world around you, absolutely. But there's a posture of learning to work from rest or for rest. And lastly, we contemplate God, right? Sabbath is not taking a break from God for 24 hours. And, and, and it's actually really easy to do, okay? If you're not careful, you like do all this other stuff and you don't think about God at all. So, so we're not taking time off from God, we're actually drawing closer to him. But you gotta expand your idea of worship to like, the massive definition that it is. So it can include songs and Bible reading and prayer and meditation. All those things are absolutely spaces of worship, but so is a burrito and a hike and skiing with friends and game board, board games with friends and whatever else, naps and you know, the things that you do, whatever. It all falls into worship. It's an invitation to see God in the middle of everything, that every good gift is from him to recognize the hidden ways that God, God's goodness is at work and present in your life. So again, I'll tell you, because I was sick, we didn't plan very well for Sabbath, and so just kind of fell into it. And so about noon is when we like, really tried to unplug yesterday. And normally our family, we have a Sabbath rhythm of Friday night after work, like 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. It seems to serve us better in, in that space. Um, and so 24 hours of unplugging. But yesterday it didn't work like that. But at 12, begin to unplug. And there's a lot of times where I have to let my, my soul catch up with my body to actually be there for that practice. And I stepped outside, I'm letting our dog out. That snow's falling like big old chunky snow. You know what I'm talking about? Like it was like, it was like, it was crazy. All right, so I'm outside and it's like so quiet. No, no cars on the road with that, you know, none of that. No birds, no, no nothing. It was so quiet. And I'm just there not, not trying to be present. And then just a moment, I take a breath. And I'm, and I'm listening to what, to what I can't hear. And then I hear, and the, the heavy snow is falling up the trees, you know, like, and it's just like landing in other snow, and it's like a really cool little sound. And I'm just sitting there, and as I watch the heavy snow fall, and my dog farts around in the snow, and you know, whatever, like, it's just so quiet. And in a moment, I just breathe in, and in that silence, I'm like, wow, God, this is pretty cool. And then I was distracted, and went and picked up poop. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I did. So, but in that, that's what the practice of Sabbath is like, is like this trying and training of becoming present to myself and God and others. So, Sabbath is, here's the big idea. If you get nothing else today, here's the invitation. Sabbath is screaming at the human condition that I can do nothing productive one day a week and I am still utterly loved. And I learn to live and love and work from that space. 
So again, this is an invitation. It's a practice that you can implement into your lives. And some of you are like, I have no idea how I, I would ever get this practice into my life. My schedule's so full and I've got stuff every day of the week and I've got little kids and all. I, I, I hear you. God rested. And so we just take a deep breath and say, could there be some life in this practice for me? It's a gift you receive. It's not meant to be restrictive. It's a rhythm in the life of Jesus that then we can learn to adopt, to continue to drink deeply from the well of life that we have not only in forgiveness in our relationship with Jesus, but then in walking in this life with him. So, so let me say it this way. Some of you in the room today, you don't need this discipline. You don't need this practice. You need the relationship. You don't need another thing to do. What you're actually missing is, is that first invitation. Come to me. Find rest for your souls. To trust in Jesus and to find life. That you do nothing for it. You don't earn it. You don't maintain it. In fact, Jesus gave his very life in your place for your sins, just like he did for me. He was buried. He rose again to offer new life to anyone who would trust in him. And that new life is accepted. It's received as a gift in a moment. And then it is continually worked out in relationship in a lifetime. So hear me, some of you need the relationship before you need this practice. But others of you, you have the relationship and you need this discipline. You need margin. If you're like me, you have an, a, just a natural bent disposition of an unhealthy relationship with rest and work. And I want you to imagine, imagine a community of people, followers of Jesus, living out of a place of rest. Not, not perfectly, but orienting our lives around the space of being with Jesus and becoming like him and doing what he did. Sabbath is a place of orientation, of rest and peace with Jesus that carries into the rest of the week. Imagine the impact for your singleness or your marriage in your parenting, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your, in, in your city group. Like, imagine the impact of coming from a place of peace and rest and joy and delight. And imagine the place in your mind where all week you're looking forward to the Sabbath. That's what I'm trying to cultivate in my kids. I want them to look forward to this gift. And then imagine, I can make it, Sabbath is coming. I can make it, Sabbath is coming. And then imagine being on the other side of Sabbath and, and being so full that you enter into your work in a different headspace than you were the week prior. So a couple of next steps for you and I. Number one, just remember that this is practice and not performance. This is not earning God's favor. This is not you better. or like, like, don't, don't, don't get your heart stuck in those, pace, those, those places. This is an invitation. It's, it's a gift from God for you and I. As you consider... I would encourage you to create space, to practice Sabbath this week. Just try it one time. Practice it. 24-hour block of time where you stop work and lean into rest and practice delight and contemplate God. And as you do that, here's a couple of things that I want you to do today. Make a list of things that bring you delight. It's actually harder to do than you would expect. Like, what is it that brings you delight? So for me, man, I, I love to wake up to a good cup of coffee on Sabbath and my kids not bother me. They get to watch TV or whatever they want to do. Uh, and I love to pray or read the scriptures or read a book or whatever. I love to have a slow morning. And then sometimes I love to go on an adventure with my family or to get together with good friends and have good food. I'm a pretty easy dude. Whatever, like, like just, there's like a short list for me of things that really bring me delight. Danielle has her list too. We're trying to, how do, how do we work this together? So make a list of things that bring you delight. Number two, you probably have to make a to not do list. <laughs> right, seriously. As crazy as this is, you have to actually think ahead. So one of the things uh, to really prepare for Sabbath is we have to plan for it. So, so when Friday's coming, we're getting all the chores done. We're like, you know, finishing, you know, laundry or doing the dishes or whatever. And it's like, it's like, is it cake, right? At 6 p.m., hands up. No matter, I mean, if there's laundry in that basket, it stays there till Saturday at 6 p.m. Don't touch it. Unless that brings you delight. But no one in my house finds delight in that, right? <laughs> it's not it. And so hands, right? And, and, and it's a practice, right? 
I mean, one of the things is putting our phones away just because all kinds of madness comes through that space. But outside of that, that's just practices for our family. Make a, what, what is not life-giving to you? And actually, Danielle and I have to communicate about that, right? What's not, like, hey, what is it for her and me and how, how we, how we kind of balance that together? Create margin sometimes, like, I'll watch the kids half the day, we'll do something while she's having space for herself and vice versa, whatever. The next thing is just let me encourage you, plan, prepare, and experiment. You can't fall into it. It's, I promise it's not going to be good. So here's where I am. I'll tell you where I am in the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath is something that we have blocked out in our calendar. But it's not something that we always intentionally plan for and practice well. Sometimes I'll fall into Saturday and look up without a plan. And quite frankly, there's very little intentional rest and delight in contemplating God. But on the days that we plan well, friends, it is the highlight of our week. And again, it's different from a day off where you're doing your things, running around, chores, and shopping, whatever. It's different than that. So wherever you are, it's just an invitation to try one time this week. Find the time that works for you. I work on Sundays, right? So, so for me, Sabbath is not on Sunday, but it could be for you. The space for you. Identify a 24-hour block of time and just try it. And as always, community can be helpful as you process this together, whether in your city groups or with others. And... Let me encourage you in this. Continue to create space daily for silence and solitude. So there's margin in our day to be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what he did, to orient our hearts and minds toward God throughout our day. And then Sabbath is a practice once a week that allows us to reset our entire way of life. Resistance to restlessness and receiving the gift of rest. And the last thing is continue the 21-day journey of fasting, right? So we started a fast last week, 21 days, and a fast is just a practice of giving up something that we love in order to pursue what we love even more. And the point of this fast in this time period is to allow you, every time you experience hunger, whatever you're giving up during the season, when that hunger arises in you, you then create, you turn your affection back toward God. So my time with God during the day, Sabbath coming up, these are all meant to work hand in hand together. So if you're not already on this journey with us, I'd invite you to jump into it. We've got two weeks left. As always, our groups are where we're really fleshing these things out. So if you're not in a group, we'd love to have you in one. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this space. Thank you for a snow day where we get to, I don't know, we have to like a forced rest <laughs> Except for when we were cleaning our cars, that wasn't restful. But other than that, God, thank you for the gift of rest. Thank you for modeling it for us. That there's so much that we already have to enjoy, to slow down, to stop, to find our identity in you and who, we say, who you say that we are. I pray for my friends in the room. For my friends who, who have this relationship but struggle with the practice of creating margin, would they... Would they receive the gift of Sabbath this week and learn to find rest for their souls in you? Would there be something that's kind of exciting about planning ahead and preparing to stop and rest and delight and contemplate? And for my friends in the room who are not yet followers of you, who, who hear this invitation, come to me, find rest for your souls, would they, would they today make the decision to trust in you, to receive the gift of new life, forgiveness of sin, and step into that relationship. So God, we ask as we worship, as we respond, as we pray, in this space, would you lead us to our lives oriented with an affection to you? And would we become more like you and do what you did? It's in Jesus' name.